0: Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support.
1: I'm with this guy and uh, long story short, he's sitting next to me and he says, I'm going to hell. And my friends are probably gonna go to hell too. And I said, you know, uh, I just wanna tell you, maybe that's why I'm here. Maybe I'm, I'm befriending you, but I have to tell you that God did not make hell for people, he made hell for the devil and the demons. So the sinfulness, the fallen world we are, we have. That's why Christ came to redeem us. You know, and so people need to hear that message. There are consequences.
2: The words of a church planter with a background in missionary work and law enforcement, Glenn Hirschberger, talks about an exciting new vision for the law enforcement community today on Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was. He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Welcome to Life Support, hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, co-sponsor of this program, and our goal is to use story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join the conversation with Pastor Paul.
0: Welcome to Life Support. I'm so glad you're with us. What we do here on this show is we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ through suffering and through trauma, through trials, through all of the tribulations that we sometimes face. And it's amazing that when we go through these kinds of things, how Jesus just emerges and we find him in a new way. And that's what we're excited about. My guest this week is the Executive Director of Church Planning for the Great Lakes Region of Converge, Glenn Hirschberger. And Glenn, thanks so much again for being with us. You are an interesting guy. Uh, Last time we talked about your career in law enforcement, and it was a long career, and you decided, I'm going to go church planting. You ended up in Panama. Now you're back here. You're working on another church plant project regarding uh, law enforcement. We'll talk about that as we go along. But I have some questions about church planting, if you don't mind. First question, why? Because there are so many churches that are struggling. And why would I want my church to spend money on church planting? Why wouldn't I just want my church to get better?
1: Well, can it be both?
0: Probably so. See, you're the expert in this.
1: You have to guide me along. I would tell you a healthy body reproduces. And so God's design, his bride that he actually calls his bride. I have a bride of 37 years. Uh, I cherish her. I love her. I respect her. And so every culture and every generation needs new churches to be started to reach, quite frankly, new people in that age category. You know, so the millennials, the the Gen Z's coming up, the boomers like us, um, and so God divinely appoints those to step out, to start something new. Everyone likes something new, but with a strategy to reach people uh, with the gospel of Christ and then make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. So it's, it's God's plan A. There is no plan B. It's God's plan A to reproduce. And he's a reproducing God, you know, that wants us to multiply and uh, step out in faith and reach people that may not know Christ.
0: Do you find churches that have a multiplying culture uh, within the church, such as multiplying volunteers, multiplying leaders um, that specifically are trying to raise new people up, have a much easier time church planning because that DNA is already in the church?
1: I would say some do, and, and some it's not on their radar. And I think COVID this last, you know, I'm gonna say two years, it's been an adjustment. It's been stressful. You know, it's like one in four pastors want to quit. So they're not thinking about multiplying. They've already seen 27 to 30% of their church not come back to church. That's nationwide.
0: Yeah, that's what we're experiencing here.
1: Yep. So if that's the case, what is God doing to reach the new people in our neighborhoods that are like, man, I can't get through this world. You know, I can't get through the culture. I can't get through my situation without some sort of help. I need an answer. So... I think the healthiest churches are those that are reproducing and have a true uh vision of multiplication and some of our churches are and some aren't and I think that's nationwide as well. I think it's probably global as well.
0: Yeah. When I w- talk with my friends here in Convergent and believe me Glenn I don't have very many friends. Um but when I when I do talk with uh other pastors that are church planting type guys and we planted when we were in Vancouver and I still want to do that here uh, there are people who have said to me straight out, I have the money, I've got the structure, I can't find a planter. Where are the planters? How can we as congregants, how can we as those who attend churches, lead churches, get planters up and running so that it can fill some of the void that's out there right now?
1: Yeah, I think when I have the opportunity to speak in our churches, I really stress we have to be looking at fifth graders. And I think discipleship starts, I, I accepted Christ when I was seven. I just didn't want to go to hell. Did I understand what being a disciple of Christ was? No. I mean, that's that's still a journey, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we have to develop that pipeline and identify those individuals that have a sense, a spirit, a tenderness towards the gospel, towards prayer, towards outreach, evangelism, uh, and then put your effort into that. Now, I would say this because I'm connected to a lot of other organizations nationwide. You know, last 18 months, two years, there's been a a plateau. We have not been able to find planters. Since December of this last year in 2020, up until even today, uh, I've had more interest and more inquiries about church planting in our district than ever before. It's amazing. And I'm hearing more and more of that. So maybe God used COVID as a reset to reignite our priorities to say look at uh we've got to take a risk on some of these individuals and send them send them to an assessment coach them up uh and let's take a let's take a risk you know let's identify a community that needs a gospel presence i think that's part of it too
0: yeah and we have to be on the uh, we have to be looking for uh young people who we can put our hand on and guide them along because Many times, it just takes someone to say to them, listen, I think that I see something in you, and they likely haven't even seen it in themselves, and then you start that process. We interviewed, uh, not long ago in this program, Mark Clark, who's the pastor of Village Church in Canada, who I was fortunate enough to help plant a church there, Plant Village, and Mark, you know, he he had all of the raw ability. He just needed someone to say, yeah, let's let's do this, Mark. And, man, if we could just be looking around our churches, it doesn't have to be a pastor that does that. I mean, just uh, an adult, someone to say, I believe in you. Let's do this thing.
1: Well, that was my case. So our pastors saw something in me as we started a men's ministry back in the 90s. And I was faithful. I would say I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I still did stuff. Uh, And then it was suggested, hey, why don't you go to a church planting assessment? My wife and I behind closed doors said, yeah, we just want to get away from our, our kids. You know, we have three kids. Just this kid. And it was actually in the Twin Cities. And uh, we had a really bad attitude. But during those four days, God convicted us. I want you to do this. I want you to step out in faith. And Hebrew says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we should constantly stepping out in faith because we know God gets pleasure in that because our faith is strengthened when we see God accomplish something. So... I think we have to identify. I think we have to see patterns in their life, and then take a risk. So uh, there's a, an assessment in Hudson um, beginning of June, and there's a young 21 year old, and he's got some raw talent. He needs to be, de- you know, developed a little bit more. And I think that's where coaching comes in. And so you'll hear this out of Converge a lot. Uh, every pastor should have a coach because as a coach, you can ask good questions. You can identify things in a person's life. So that's what I'm leaning into in our district. You know, the the whole emphasis of coaching. Now we do have some pre-assessments that we can identify characteristics. So there's 16 building blocks that we look at. I think every church should know what those 16 building blocks are to help them identify, hey, this person has at least 10 of them or nine of them or whatever. And then we can coach up the others.
0: I hear a lot of people complaining about culture and um, being frankly afraid of where culture is going. But church planting reaps a much greater harvest of new believers, does it not, than
1: existing churches? Statistically, yes, because it is all about outreach. Now there's a tipping point where some new church plants become inward focused because of people saying, hey, what about this program? How can we do this? And there's always that tension, but every church should be always thinking outreach. How do I reach my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor as myself? And it doesn't always mean that you get them plugged into a church, but you need to be a good neighbor to them and be that example, you know, that Christ would want us to be an example. So I, I've been preaching a lot on Luke 10, just so you know.
0: Yeah, well, that's 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 very good. And I think that um, when you're talking about planting and you look at the culture that we're in and you want to have an impact, I mean... In an institutional church, and what I mean by that is the church that's been around a long time, it's much more difficult to to put a new footprint on that church and it you can do it, but it just takes longer. You can plant and you can reach a community like really really quickly and uh you can you can reach places that you can't get to geographically you can you can go into places where your church doesn't fit necessarily demographics of the area and and you know no one from that demographic for example is going to come to your church but you can put somebody there where they need that and it just takes it takes vision it takes work and it takes um leaders that are willing to step out and, and give it a shot but but glenn like you said earlier um have we lost sight here in the world of of evangelicals that there is a hell and there is a heaven and so what are we waiting for
1: yeah I- our president, Scott Rideout, had said this, and it's a really good, I think it's a good comment. You're going to end up in, ter- in ter- eternity someplace. Like my mom died last year. I- I'm dealing in that age category where parents are now passing and dying. In fact, I just talked to a guy today that uh, father-in-law just passed away this week. So we know that there's a brevity of life, like life is precious and it's short. And I think having faith in Christ and understanding what he came to accomplish, we have a duty. We have a calling. I mean, it's Matthew 28. Um, and so, yeah, you have to talk about the need of having a Savior. And part of that is identifying my sinfulness and knowing the consequences of that headed towards hell. I I try to hang out with unchurched people. Uh, you'll appreciate this, Pastor. I don't really want to hang out with church people because they're already headed... To, they're already headed to eternity to heaven. And so I'm I'm with this guy and uh long story short he's sitting next to me and he says I'm going to hell. And my friends are probably going to go to hell too. And I said, "You know, uh I just want to tell you, maybe that's why I'm here. Maybe I'm I'm befriending you, but I have to tell you that God did not make hell for people. He made hell for the devil and the demons." So the sinfulness, the fallen world we are, we have. That's why Christ came to redeem us. You know, and so people need to hear that message. There are consequences, um, good and bad, as we all know. We'll be back to the
2: conversation with Paul and Glenn in just a moment. You know, Pastor Paul is a survivor of family trauma himself, losing both a wife and a son, and that's what life support is all about. Survivors. In Discussion with Survivors. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media. And we are so proud to be a co-sponsor of this program. And for more about our work, you can log on to www.lifesupportresources.org. And now, back to Pastor Paul.
0: Yeah, uh, likewise, uh, I have a neighbor across the street and uh, he's living with his... His uh, daughter and son-in-law, and uh, one day I just kind of wandered across, and we started talking about church. And I told him what I did for a living, and and I asked him if he goes to church and so forth. And he looked at me and he said, "Yeah, I'm, no, I'm going to hell." And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" And he said, "No, you don't know what I've done in my life. Uh, I can't. It, I'm I'm over the edge." Well, what a wonderful opportunity to just explain about redemption, about God's grace. But you have people walking around that number, you know, there's one group that isn't even thinking about eternity. There's another group that is convinced that it doesn't really matter because God wouldn't take them anyway. And they both need Jesus.
1: You know, it's a good news. You and I don't save anyone. Yep, But God puts us in proximity that we can plant seeds and we can use our our life we can use our words to help people understand that they can a forgive themselves i think that's a part that's an issue that i i come against that a lot a lot of people are dealing with that and there is a god in heaven that loves them that wants to redeem them but he doesn't force himself on them and he provides a way out he provides total forgiveness and people need to hear that good news and it may take may take you, Pastor, it may take me, it may take Walt, it may take Steve. We just don't know the people that are lined up that God is ordaining us to have contact with.
0: Yeah, which is uh, the highest calling we could have. Now, before you became this uh, church planting guru that you now are, uh, you spent quite a few years in law enforcement and you were telling me that 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 heart for evangelism that we just heard um, didn't stop just because you were in the workplace and not in ministry. Do you find that people are naturally in spheres of influence and they don't even kind of realize it and they aren't really sure how to use those spheres of influence to reach people for Christ?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, you know who Ed Stetzer is? Sure. Uh, Ed Stetzer in this, uh, conference that I went to, he he was telling the audience, he said, look at, uh, America does great at planting churches, but what we're not good at is doing evangelism. And he said this, uh, he said, if we would teach our people how to do effective evangelism, more people would do evangelism. And you're kind of like, well, duh. So I was very mindful. Early on, I heard of um, the assistant police chief of LA, Robert Vernon. Do you know that name, Robert Vernon? No. He uh, was an elder at John MacArthur's church. Well, I've met the man, and anyway, long story short, he says I'm not getting paid by the Los Los Angeles Police Department to evangelize. So I'm very mindful of those lines. And if you're in a position of authority, so there's a way to do it that's honorable to your workplace. But then also, when you sense the Holy Spirit leading, you can have after-hours conversation over a cup of coffee, that kind of thing. And I have learned over the years, Pastor. Uh, I no longer do the telling when I do evangelism. I'm asking questions. And we've got to get better at asking questions because people don't want to hear our theological rhetoric. They don't really care about our opinion. But if we can example, give them an example of being caring, empathetic, and compassionate, listening to them, that opens a whole lot more doors.
0: Because they do have a life, and their life does have ups and downs. And they probably rarely get asked about that. Because everybody's afraid to talk about it, yep. so he, we can come along as as followers of Christ, and we can offer an ear to them and and at least open the door for them. Do you find that COVID has has made it uh, easier to talk to people about Jesus or more difficult?
1: Boy, I think it's almost both and mm-hmm. because we had this horrific election, and one camp was lumped in with the evangelicals, so you know, evangelical in Panama, we could not use that word, by the way. Because you know what that meant? It meant anti-Catholic. But we're not anti-Catholic, but we can't say that word. And so I think our culture has shifted. I don't tell people I'm evangelical. I tell them I'm a follower of Christ. That's a big difference. So I do think from that camp there's suspicion and and resistance. And I think that's the younger generation. And then others have just, they're given up on the church. It's not relevant. Or I can just watch it online. I don't even have to go in, present, in person, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I find that most people aren't hostile. They just don't see it as relevant to their lives. And that's what we have to explain to them. And you are working on a project right now where you're combining that law enforcement background with your church planning knowledge. And it's pretty cool what God's got you working on right now. Tell me about it.
1: Well, the short story is uh, God planted a seed, you know, probably five, six years ago about a unique affinity group called Cop Church. And it was first started, there was a guy that started in Chattanooga. Another guy started one in uh, Idaho Falls. I think there's another one starting down South. We're not affiliated, but it's just this idea. It's kind of like Cowboy Church or Biker Church. And so uh, I've been working on with my team Uh, to launch Cities Cop Church in early October uh, someplace in the cities and uh, we were going to launch last year but uh, the climate in our culture and uh, a series of other events uh, we just decided you know what we don't have momentum we don't have people so let's just hold off and so now this year uh, I can tell you it's been one call after another God is like building this well he's building his church he's building his bride it's pretty cool
0: And the law enforcement community, I'm guessing, is a very tight knit group. Like if you're part of the, you're either part of that or you're not. And if you are, they'll listen to maybe what you have to say, huh?
1: Well, absolutely. So I can go up to any officer and I've done this worldwide. Actually, my wife rolls her eyes. I'm like, hey, quick, get a photo of these guys in whatever country. Uh, But I can give them a hard time and then say, hey, look, I'm retired law enforcement. They'll nine times out of 10, reach out and shake my hand and thank me for my service. And so I do the same to them. So, you know, I would say most law enforcement officers have a faith, uh, but doesn't mean they're churched and doesn't mean uh, that they're walking in faith. So uh, maybe they've kind of given up on the church, maybe not necessarily on God. So this is an opportunity to open the doors for them and have a safe place, a place that they're supported to help their families um, be encouraged and grow in Christ.
0: And I'm guessing that they come from a background where they've seen a lot and they've seen things that would make it hard for them to, to see the, uh, I guess, quote unquote, good side of things. But another police officer, another person in that realm can come and say, well, I've seen those things, too. Here's where I found hope.
1: Yeah, hey, you know, it's interesting. Yes, because I was out in San Francisco at a police chaplain conference in 96. And we went to this church. It was a church plant. And the pastor got up and said, I was a police officer for 13 years. And it's the first time I've ever heard that. And I get in my car and I'm really convicted. Like, wait a minute, a cop can become a pastor? That started me on a journey. And I think I'll be an example. And others on our team will be an example of, hey, you can have a strong faith in Christ. And maybe some of those officers, as they are leaving the career, as they're retiring, maybe God will call them into ministry.
0: Yeah, that's... they need somebody to, to show the way. And so, uh, and I've had that feeling before. You know, when God's gotten a hold of you and you kind of go, uh oh, some, some things are going to be changing. So, how can someone listening right now support this effort that you've got going on?
1: Yeah, well, our website is uh, citiescopchurch.com. It'll be live tomorrow. We have a giving platform. We've got our 503 um, C3. Uh, documentation with the government and so we are taking donations and people are giving. We're not even really asking but we do need, we do have a budget uh, for equipment and uh, outreach marketing stuff so if they want to support, we do have some informational meetings so they can, uh, they can contact me uh, to find out when and where those, uh, those places are if they want to be involved as well.
0: You know I'm a church planting guy and I care about church planting and I believe in uh, church planting but when I first heard about this idea, I tuned in really quick because I think a lot of us in America right now are watching the kind of disrespect and the um, trauma that these police officers are going through out there and the thought of being able to help them find a safe home where they can, they can find Christ or grow in Christ. I mean, that's really exciting. And I guess God knew about the timing, but uh, it seems to me this is the perfect time to be doing this because it's pretty rough out there, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, it is, and I think you're right. I think um, this is unique, and uh, you know, it won't go without conflict or opposition, but the gates of hell will not prevail in this. Um, I'm, I'm glad that God has given me some experience in this, but I, I just see him setting the table. It's, it's so amazing to see how many officers around the Twin Cities that are learning about this that are saying, I'm open. I'd be willing to help out. And, and, you know, please know this. I don't want to take anyone out of their church, but we'll be meeting Sunday night um, early in in the evening. And so there may be an opportunity for an officer that maybe goes to your church to say, hey, I got a coworker kind of interested in spiritual things. I'm going to invite him. I'm going to bring him. And so that's kind of the notion and the vision that we have as well.
0: Well, good for you. And thank you so much for spending time with us. It's been really informative. Um, I love what you're doing. And thanks again for your time, Glenn.
1: Thank you very much, Pastor Paul.
0: All right, that's Glenn Hirschberger, And you know what? He's talking about, you know, facing these spiritual enemies and some of the, the things he'll be confronting. I'm, uh, Psalm eighty six seventeen is is a great verse to remember. The Bible says, Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame for you, Lord, Have helped me and comforted me, and we are all coming up against uh, enemies of different types. We're all fighting a spiritual warfare, uh, fighting spiritual warfare. We all have these different hurdles in front of us, um, some that we've created ourselves, and we're and we're trying to overcome them. Or God is helping us move forward, and so just remember that God is your help. God is your comfort. God will never let you go. And. The beautiful thing about God is He is persistent, He is faithful, He is patient, and He is powerful. So just rely on Him. I want to thank our partners that make life support possible. Uh, MyFaithRadio.com has been wonderful to us. You can find them at, at MyFaithRadio. And at FiveStoneMedia.com, you can go there and find a video version of this podcast as well. You can check us out at Ridgewood Church. That's MyRWC.org. And if you'd like to make a financial contribution to help support this podcast, it's MyRWC.org slash give. And hey, check me out on Twitter. I'd love to see you there. We can talk on Twitter at Pastor Paul J. So this has been great. Thanks so much for being here. And we'll see you next time on Life Support.